Hey there, lovers. Welcome back to another episode of The, the Spiritual, Spiritual Gaze. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your other host, Kathleen Turner. No, I'm Brandon Alter. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. And you can hear in my voice that I am definitely a little sick here at the beginning of 2020. I know, you're ringing it in ill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a big old clearing coming through me. Well, you didn't ring it in ill. No, that's true. You took ill. I took ill pretty soon after the start. <laughs> took ill. It makes it sound like you're like a, like we're, like we're in the 1800s. Totally. Like I, She took ill. Well, I mean, it's pretty much been that way. You have. You've been like bedridden. I have been pretty bedridden. It's been so sad. Oh, well, it's been necessary, I guess. Let's, uh, before we talk more about my illness, let's, uh, let's introduce ourselves to the listeners. Yes, I'm Angel Lopez. I am an astrologer. I am a film producer and a writer. And I'm also a husband and a doggy dad. <laughs> and I'm Brandon Alter. I am a healer and a tarot reader and a teacher. And I'm also a writer and a performer. And I am uh, Angel's husband and also Noche's doggy dad. And yeah, you're kind of sick as a dog. But you're yeah, getting better. I'm definitely getting better. But it's been a wild couple days of illness. It's been pretty intense. I haven't been this sick in a... I don't get sick usually. And the last time I was this sick was um, when we were on our honeymoon. Oh, yeah. When we were in Peru. And we had just come back from Machu Picchu. And as we took the train from Machu Picchu um, up to Cusco, I began to feel like a really bad headache. And then by the time we got to the hotel, I spent like 24 hours of just like fever, body ache. I was just on my ass and it felt like very much some sort of like spiritual cleansing or clearing and this past friday night all of a sudden this like sickness came on me and i spent another night in bed like tossing and turning and fever and i was like what is going on and it reminded me of that period of time and i thought i wonder if there's something going on of this capacity and then just last night I had all sorts of crazy dreams mm. and I had this like one, you know, like you'll have a dream where you're like, you'll wake up and then you'll go back to sleep and like the dream continues. Like oh, it's yeah, like, yeah. it's like a mini series. Uh -huh. So I had this whole mini series dream where I was trying to meet up with some of my best friends in Mexico for like a trip. Um, and I kept like, like they were all at the hotel waiting for me, but I like couldn't get there. And like, I kept like trying to get a taxi there. And I mean, it was just wild. But the town that I was trying to get to, I remember was called Salkantai. And I, and like when I woke up, I was like, oh God, what is the name of that town? Like that, that feels really important to remember. So I was like, mm -hmm. Salkantai. Do you remember what Salkantai is? I, the name is so, yeah, the word is so familiar. What is it again? It's one of the four mountains that surround Machu Picchu. Oh. So I woke up and once I realized that I was like, okay, I was like, there is something, there is something larger going on that's being woven through me. Um, and this illness is part of it. It's like a clearing, it's a sickness, but it's also a healing. Like I yeah. can feel that. Um, but yeah, I've been on my ass. <laughs> Have you looked at all at the astrology of then compared to the astrology of now? No. To see if there was anything. I haven't. 
You should. I just know that I have South Node and Jupiter on my moon. And we know the South Node is like the cosmic toilet. It just like clears everything out. So it just seems like... (laughs) I prefer cosmic vacuum cleaner. Oh, sure. Yeah. So I just feel like I'm being very cleared out. And I will say like... I took a weekend workshop with the Foundation for Shamanic Studies yeah, the this weekend. Of that was pretty insane. Yeah. Well, it was so crazy because Friday night, when I was so sick, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to make it to this workshop. Like, I'm going to have to cancel. Um, but then I woke up Saturday morning and I had sweat through the entire bed. It was like very shamanic. And I was like, I actually think I'm well enough to go. Yeah. And so I went Saturday and Sunday, and these are like all day, you know, from like nine to five. And I was definitely like really low energy, but I was able to like do all the work. And I had a real sense of like peace and stillness. This sickness has like made me unable to like do things quickly or like do a lot. I could also like barely talk over the weekend. And I'm usually a pretty talkative human. So to be in a workshop situation where I just had to like sit and absorb (laughs) and it was, it's been very valuable. It feels like a, a detox and like a deep spiritual level. So I'm grateful for it. And I can feel that it's like progressing that I'm like getting better. Yeah. Yeah. Has it given you any perspective on just the energy of this new year for you and what you want to be bringing in? Have you had time to kind of reflect or have you just been so zonked? Um, Well, honestly, one of the big things that I've become aware of is just like how toxic my phone is and how the stillness and the presence and the groundedness that I want to cultivate can't happen if I continue to have the same relationship with my phone that I've had in 2019. Mm -hmm. So creating new like phone rules and boundaries for myself and also just like acknowledging how addicted I am to it because this illness has kind of cold turkeyed me from it because I I literally like would look at it and I would like feel sicker. <laughs> I like was like, get this thing away from me. Yeah. Yeah. And what I, and to be in the weekend workshop where like the phone's not allowed and you're just like in the presence of people and going out into nature a little bit, like that's what I want. Like that's the energy I want for my life um, is like more presence and more stillness and to be moving more slowly. Yeah. I feel you on that. Um, we've talked about how we, used to have like no phone nights um just after a certain time the phone would just go away yeah and we kind of lost that for a while but i'm excited that we're gonna bring that back in this year because i feel the same way about my relationship with my phone that it's just like it's in my hand and you and i have this little like joke we do with each other when we see each other or when we see one another like in our phone too much we're like boop beep boop boop beep boop (laughs) like we're just like just having robot conversation totally like electronics conversation (laughs) yeah so i know know, we know we know it's not good hates it he really does that's no chair little pup uh but yeah, so I'm feeling really compelled too to have more of not so much of like a I'm having more of a mindful relationship with my phone. Intentional. Intentional. Yeah. Cause I don't feel like 
social media is the devil or any of that. I actually enjoy having an intentional relationship with my social media. I feel like there are, you know, even people through this show, the community that we've been able to cultivate and the communication we get to have with people just via Instagram or or Facebook is like really helpful and I like that. But now I want to be able to just go on sort of looking for that as opposed to just mindlessly scrolling because it also then that just like makes me feel bad too like i know that that's just kind of an obvious thing that most that people have discussed in the past but i didn't realize how much it affects me when i'm like why is everybody out at that thing you know or everyone's on vacation but me and all of that stuff but obviously everyone's projecting what they're projecting so yeah and i think it's also like a form of disassociation like the longer you spend in the phone, the less you're actually present with yourself. Like, I'm sorry, were you just saying something? I was <laughs> just on Twitter. What was that? So I think if we're trying to cultivate presence, you can't disassociate. It's like the opposite of presence. Because then you find yourself 20 paces behind your soul's purpose. And who the fuck wants to be that? Yeah, very true. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's important to stay in your own lane. Keep your eyes on your own paper. Yeah, because it does, you know, it does make me think what you were saying about nature, that our ancestors used to pay such close attention to the animals around them and the direction of the winds and all of, you know, these natural occurrences to help them make sense of their path. And I know for myself that I've always really enjoyed those experiences too, being really present to, you know, when I'm on a hike or even just out in the world wandering, like getting to, you know, sort of ping pong my way through the symbols that are being expressed to me. And that's the direction to go. Uh, But if I'm walking down the street with my face buried in my phone uh, makes it much harder for me to actually recognize what life is trying to tell me. Yeah, the hidden messages in nature can't reach you. No. So I definitely would love to try to disengage much more this year and reconnect even further to just the natural rhythms of my life. I miss it. Well, that feels kind of like a check-in, you know? <laughs> yeah, I guess we, we just kind of uh... We just kind of went right into it. <laughs> We're excited to be back. We it's had, a new year. Yeah, we had a really beautiful New Year's Eve celebration here at the house. We did. We invited over some of our favorite spiritual ladies. It's a congregation of witches. And we did a ritual, which was pretty cool to help us move from 2019 to 2020. Yeah, it was wonderful. I really felt like a shift on some level from yeah, it. Yeah, me too. I mean, I'm still feeling that shift. <laughs> yeah, you're in it. Yeah. And something that I saw that uh, one of our dear friends, Alyssa, had posted, <laughs> speaking of social media, uh, but she had uh, asked 
her community for like one word that they felt was like a definition for them of this year to come, like what they wanted to, like I know a word they wanted this year to embody for themselves. And I thought about it and decided my word is amplification, Mm. you know, because I want to amplify my voice, amplify my presence, amplify uh, my work. Wow, you're like a giant quartz crystal. Yes. Because quartz crystals, that's what they do. They amplify. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, uh, So, yeah. What about you? A word? Yeah. I mean, the word that's been coming to me recently is just peace. Mm. I just want peace. Um, like a piece of cake? Or? Yeah, that sounds nice. <laughs> no, just actual peace. Like this contemporary world, and you know, like we've had a lot of stresses in 2019 and a lot of anxiety, and I'm just tired of it. I'm really interested in peace and seeking out things that will bring me peace um, and sinking into the peace that's available, you know, in all moments and all opportunities. Um, but off the top of my head, yeah, I'm really wanting peace this year. I love that. And also, I mean, not to sound like Miss America here, but like, I'd like some world peace as well. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I think it always starts within So I can only take care of myself first, but I feel like when each individual is peaceful, it's a lot easier to bridge some of those collective gaps and hopefully we can start to do that. So I'm going to do my part. It's all we can do. I know there's a lot going on in the world right now. Um, Would love to just take this moment to like shout out all of our Australian listeners because we have a lovely little community out there of listeners. Yeah, and we are with you in heart and spirit and are uh, just deeply moved. Um, And there are no words really to speak to what y'all are going through, but just know that we are thinking about you. And, um, And if there's anything we can do, please don't hesitate to reach out to us and let us know. Yeah, and we'll continue to do whatever small part we can uh, in regards to climate change and the needs around that and furthering progress in that area. But yeah, hopefully that will find a resolution sometime soon. Uh, on top of everything else going on in the world right now, but yeah. we're going to well, actually... I mean, so heavy right now. And we're going to be getting into all that because our deep dive is basically all about the intense astrology of 2020, which we are kicking off with a bang uh, around the Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Capricorn, which is basically already happening now. (laughs) So uh, when you're listening to this, it'll be a direct conjunction, you know, they'll, they'll be in direct alignment as of January 12th. Um, But, I mean, they've been basically doing their little tango for a few months now. So we'll get into all of that. What does all that mean on top of all the other astrological business that's coming up this year? Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Anne Orderly, our favorite astrologer, she was saying how you know what it's about by now. 
She's like, and it's probably the thing that you don't want it to be about. <laughs> so like whatever you've been dreading or trying to put off or, you know, like telling yourself a sweet little bedtime story that like, that's like, this is not time to deal with that. It's like, honey, like it's time to deal with that. Right. That's what this is about. Well, we're going to get into all of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but first, maybe we should lighten our load and just talk about um, some more frivolous things that the world still has to offer because it can't be all Pluto all the time. No, I love frivolous things. All right. Well, then let's take a moment and let's give ourselves a much needed dose, dose of, of reality. reality. All right. So the main topic at hand is basically our favorite now, Below Deck. Below Deck is hands down my favorite TV show. <laughs> Uh, and you were in hog heaven last night, oh weren't you? Oh my gosh, you? not only was there a new episode, but then there was like an hour-long reunion special of all seven seasons. But you've watched all of them, correct? Uh, yeah, I have. I have not, but... I mean, it keeps getting better and better, honestly, yeah. but it was nice to take a trip down memory lane. And Kate Chastain, who is the queen of Capricorn, as far as I am concerned, like she is the most <laughs> Capricorn human I've ever seen in my entire life. Always such a sour face. Uh, but just like in such control yeah. and just like knows how to play it and is gorgeous. She's always got the big picture in hand. Uh, she really does. Um, but this has been a really interesting season. And if you aren't watching it, I highly recommend you get in there because... Riley, who is a new deckhand who has come back from last season, is an Alaskan fisherwoman, and she is very competent, but she's also a strong personality. But the problem is, is that she's come into this boys club, and they are just a bunch of misogynists. Yeah. And she is having to go up against these like three other deckhands and her boss, um, who can't see their own prejudices yeah her boss ashton had it out for her from day one i mean even when he first heard she was coming back he basically like told his crew like oh yeah she was really difficult and this and that like so he was already planting that seed granted she is difficult at times when she gets pushed um so she's not like an angel in the whole situation uh, but i do think that he is a terrible manager. Yeah, he's a really bad leader. And they've all teamed up against her. They haven't tried to like include her or to like harness her abilities. They've just essentially like made their boys club even tighter and excluded her, which just pushes her buttons. Yeah. So even when he like tried to give her something, this fishing trip, and he was like, I'm just going to let you lead it and run it. But at the same time, he kind of just like let her out like, sort of like put her out to dry with yeah. it. <laughs> like it wasn't really like being made part of the team. He was like, here, this is yours to either succeed or fail at. And back to what you said about the misogyny. I mean, there are two other women on the ship and they are both rather subservient in nature. And so no one has a problem with them because, you know, and also one of them, they all want to have sex with. Yeah. Or then the other one, one of them has already had sex with. Totally. So they've been able to kind of like put them into like a certain box of like what women are to them on this ship. Whereas Kate, well, Kate may want to have sex with one of them now at this point and maybe having sex. We don't know it. But 
I think Ashton, who is the manager, the leader, I think part of his issue is that these are the two women who like don't want to have sex with him. Mm-hmm. And he and there is no sex involved in their relationship, though he's tried to jam his tongue down Kate's throat twice now. Yeah. And she's pushed him off. And I think that that creates like a whole subconscious, unconscious level for him too of why he's frustrated with them. It's like his sexual urges cannot be met. So he's going to take it out on them by like power playing in some other way. It's gross, but fascinating. (laughs) Is it Leslie Jones's Instagram where she just like screams her opinions as she watches it? God, I have not watched her in her feed from last night. Oh my God. It's amazing. She really, she really calls it out. Mm -hmm. She really sees what's going on. Oh my God. Yeah. I highly recommend if you, if you can't watch below deck, like if you're not a reality show person, just go and watch Leslie Jones's reaction to them. And that will be like a tiny portion of it, but still like just as entertaining, if not more so. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And we should also just, you know, we should just bring to a close the real housewives of orange County. Oh yeah. Because that also, you know, finished with a three-part reunion epic. Oh my God, it was a firestorm. I mean, there's so much to say, but I think my biggest takeaway was just watching the egoic implosion that is Vicky Gunvalson. Oh my God. I mean, she really showed (laughs) what she's made of. Yeah. When she just claimed that it was her show and that she never had to audition for it in the first place, and then they cut to her audition tape, And it just goes to show like the power of self-delusion and that if you tell yourself a story long enough, you actually start to believe it. No, completely. And if you think about too, just, I mean, we're getting, we'll get into the Saturn Pluto business and Capricorn, but just to hint at it, and we've talked about it before, but it's basically, you know, sort of the dissolution of old structures, you know, that have, that things have been built upon for a long time. So it's just even interesting to like, sort of translate that to the real housewives and that, you know, New the York has lost, ho- you know, Bethany Frankel and Beverly Hills has lost Lisa Vanderpump. And now Orange County has lost Vicki Gumbelson and Nini is not doing very well. And Atlanta, she walks into a room and everyone's like, Ew. so it's just interesting that these women who were kind of the like face for these different series are, Either, well, Bethany bowed out gracefully, but the rest of them are sort of like going through these just kind of trashy fallouts. Yeah. Well, Vicky, especially because she was the original. Yeah. Like, so if we think about like restructuring like that Saturn Pluto, it's like Vicky kind of feels like the foundation. Like she was the first housewife of the OC. That was the first franchise. And now she can't, she can't hold on to it. And I was actually listening to a podcast and they were interviewing Brian Moylan, who uh, is a journalist who's done a lot of writings, like he did all the vulture recaps. Oh my God, they were so funny. Yeah, they were. Until he became like a character on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills briefly because he wrote Erica Jane's book. And yeah, and like, lost his objectivity. Yeah, then he was like, Erica can do no wrong. And I was like, girl, she's done a lot of wrong, but, yeah, she's, exactly. but you're now on her payroll, so. <laughs> but anyhow, he was sort of just hinting in his mind that he wonders how much further the series can go 
as a whole, given the the loss of these major characters. But I guess the bigger question is, are these types of shows going to start to lose interest as we continue to evolve as a culture? That I don't know the answer to because I'm still watching. (laughs) But I thought it was like a curious question. Yeah, it is. Are we evolving past our need for drama? I will say my current favorite reality show, and we won't get, we don't have to get too far into it, is an adorable show on Disney Plus called Encore, uh, which if you have Disney Plus, you should definitely check out, uh, especially if you ever did theater in your life, because oh it basically reunites people who did high school productions like 10, 20, sometimes like 30 plus years later and has them do the production over again, like a one time only. And it is so moving and so enjoyable to watch these people revisit themselves and what they've on some level forgotten about themselves is the most interesting piece. Oh my gosh. This show makes me cry so much. It's ridiculous. (laughs) We watched one last night. Oh my gosh. I don't know what it is about like time. It makes me like very nostalgic and it makes me realize like how fast time goes and so we watched one last night where it was the 1984 cast of Pippin at a performing arts high school in Louisville, Kentucky, and they came together. So now they're all in their 50s, right? And they're all coming back to the same theater at the same school to do the same show. And it's just like very moving to see those relationships and those connections and that like life moves really fast. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm just getting, I'm going to be turning 35 in a month and a half. And I think I'm just starting to feel how quickly it all goes. And that's really moving. Like that you blink and you're 50 and what happened in high school is a long time ago, but there's still like hidden gems there. And like, who you were back then, like there's still something to be like learned and embodied there. Well, and I think even the idea of who you thought you were going to become, like who the, the you then thought you were going to become and these people now having to go back and confront that knowing who they actually have, have been. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the really interesting piece of it and that's the thing like for me that i think back to yeah like 16 17 year old angel who was in you know high school and who he thought he was going to become or didn't think he was going to become and where you know where i've gotten to now i think it's interesting and to especially to think back on like well what dreams did i have then that are still alive now yeah and i think if anything it's like good motivation to to have that remembrance and think about oh this still matters what am i doing about it yeah and some of these people are insanely talented yeah and it's it's exciting to see some of them go you know what i'm gonna start auditioning again or i'm gonna start like trying yeah i'm gonna go try and be in the play you know in my local town and (laughs) 
Like they should be singing. They should be performing. Yeah, totally. Um, everyone should be using their gifts. Amen. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of time, I think we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna talk all about it. Uh, so should we just uh, get into it? Yeah. Put on your scuba suits, everybody, because it's time for this episode's deep, deep dive. So let's talk about the astrology of 2020, shall we? Let's do it. Uh, I think the big thing that everyone's been talking about astrologically is the Saturn-Pluto conjunction, which is occurring in the sign of Capricorn. And I think you already kind of teed it up when you were talking about time. And I think it's interesting you know, on a surface level, we can look at the fact that we just shifted into a new decade. So everyone was really, and is still somewhat consumed with just what have what have the last 10 years been about for me? Oh, I know people are writing a lot about themselves on the social medias. I know, but it's beautiful, I think, for people to be taking that time to reflect on it and really sort of understand like the step-by-step process. Because if you think about it from a Capricorn perspective, I mean, Capricorns are all about like the big house on the mountaintop, you know, like that's what everyone's trying to get toward, you know, like that sort of ambitious end game that they have for themselves. And, you know, it's the representative of the GOAT, you know, so it's that like step by step climb up the mountain, you know, the the slow and steady element of it. So I think it is interesting to be utilizing this time to be thinking back on, all right, well, what got me here to some degree? Because I think it's easy to get caught up in the like, yeah, here's just a like, beautiful presentation of everything I've been through. Um, But are there elements of that journey that we need to be learning from? And are there elements of that journey that we need to realize that we don't need anymore? You know, what can we release, strip away from ourselves? Uh, I think that's what Saturn and Pluto are you know, somewhat coming together to do for us, to break down old patterns, beliefs. You know, if you think about Saturn, they're, you know, he, he's that ruler of time, but he's that ruler of our greatest fears and self-limiting beliefs. So when Saturn comes up and, and moves into an area of our life, he tends to challenge us with those, right? He challenges us with like, here are your fears right in front of you. Here are the self-limiting beliefs. I mean, usually we don't even realize that they're self-limiting beliefs or or self-imposed, you know, beliefs. We just, we're so steeped in our beliefs that we don't realize it. So for myself, even I can say, I'm having this Saturn-Pluto conjunction in the ninth house, so a lot of it is around beliefs for myself. What do I believe? You know, what have I learned? 
You know, what have I allowed my life to teach me? And how have I built the life that I'm living now on that? And where did I maybe pick up some bad advice along the way and turn it into the floor of my kitchen, if that makes sense? (laughs) So, you know, I think, again, that's very specific for me, but I think just because of the ninth house element, but I think in general, it's important for everyone to on one hand, find out where they have Capricorn in their chart, you know, which house of the 12 houses do you have Capricorn and start to look at that area of your life from a place of, you know, what have I built, you know, this area of my life on, you know, and my perception of it, my, or even just my reality. If it's your fourth house, which is home and family, are these home surroundings, is my relationship with my family, like is the foundation of that really honest and true to what I want and who I want to be? Like, or should I be pushing myself to strive for more? So I, I think there's an element too of like us needing to push ourselves and recognizing what area our soul really wants to be shoved, you know, or have us shoved at right now. What area is it happening for you? What house? It's in my 10th house. So uh, how does that reflect for you? Because, you know, 10th house is the house of, I mean, on one hand, it's career, uh, life purpose, but it's also, you know, ambition and how we want the world to see us, um, our life's work. Yeah. And I also think of the 10th house as just like the sign of like big daddy. Yeah. Like not necessarily just the patriarchy, but just like divine masculine. Mm -hmm. And so I do feel like on a subconscious level for a long time, I was waiting for like a big daddy to come in and save me. Mm. And so I'm realizing that like, I am the big daddy that's going to save me. Like I have to step in and I have to be the one that's going to like make decisions and take responsibility. Um, I also think that a big shift is wanting to have a career where I am seen for who I am as opposed to like wanting to have a career where I'm seen for who I was like trying to present. Mm-hmm. Um, and that like even connects to this podcast and like the offerings that we're talking about wanting to do in 2020. Like I want to be building a career and a life path that is directly in alignment with like who I am, my vulnerability, my authenticity. I don't want to like have to fake anything. Um, And so I feel like Saturn and Pluto is really restructuring that for me. Yeah. Well, I think you used like two key words here that everyone can be asking themselves. And also I think that's, first off, I think that's beautiful and I'm excited for you because I think that those are like such great, realizations to be having um and i'm sorry i couldn't be the big daddy you needed but i'm the big daddy that you ultimately did need oh (laughs) but but you know you use the word building and restructuring yeah and those are the words that i think we can all be associating with right now you know, and, you know, utilizing them in important questions to be asking ourselves, you know, what are we building? And 
in regards to what we have been building up to this point, how does it need some restructuring? So I think it's important for everyone to be, again, looking at the area in their life. But, you know, because our charts, they have tentacles and they, you know, these areas make angles to other planets and other areas of our chart too. So other things flare up. So it's not just like, you know, oh, I have this conjunction in Capricorn happening in my 10th house. So this is just about that. Like, no, it then, you know, makes a tentacle out to another area. I'm sure you have other planets and areas of your chart that are being affected, right? Yeah, I have my north node at 22 degrees Taurus. So this is all mm. trining that, mm-hmm. which is good. Yeah, because that's also life purpose, and like, direction. And big picture. Yeah. And yeah. what area, what house is that in? That's in my second house. Oh, so money, money. Yeah. Value, which yeah. I know for a fact is something you're dealing with on a big level. So I think that that's the interesting thing for everyone to, you know, that's why it's so important to just have like a basic understanding of your chart or to just at least get your chart read once a year or what have you or whenever. Um, because then you'll start to recognize that it's hap- you know, it's affecting all these other areas. For, for instance, for me, so this is happening at... Um, the 22 degrees it's happening at 22 degrees in Capricorn. I have uh, Mercury and Venus in tw- at 20 and 22 degrees Aries in my 12th house. They're conjunct there in the 2022. So I'm getting a square of all this energy to my 12th house, which is, you know, ninth house is like, well, what do you know? What do you believe? You know, where do you where do you want to take it in the world? You know, how do you want the world to affect that? So I have all of that energy, but then it's reaching out to my Mercury and Venus in my 12th house, which is like, and how are you going to communicate it on a spiritual level? You know, how are you going to affect people on a spiritual level? Which, you know, and I've always been told that's my like, what makes me a writer is that Mercury... Venus conjunction in that 12th house. So a lot of my writing is like about myself and coming from a personal belief standpoint and has a spiritual sensibility to it. Then I also have my Taurus rising at 21 degrees. So I'm getting the trine of all of this energy to my ascendant point as well which is, all right, and now what foundation have you built the way people see you in the world? Oh my gosh, and today you started your quantum wellness (laughs) lifestyle plan. My quantum wellness lifestyle plan. (laughs) It's not trademarked by me. (laughs) But uh, but But yeah. That feels very ascendant. Totally, right? In Taurus, because it's all about like, you know, the literal like physical things you're going to be putting into your body. Well, and Saturn is a restrictor. So So Saturn's like, let's restrict some of this shit. But in a good way, in a trine, like for your own benefit. Exactly. Without me even, yeah, recognizing that that's what I was doing. I think, yeah, that Saturn Pluto is like, we need to restructure the way that you step out into the world. You know, like literally, yeah, the, the physical being that goes out there. Um, And if I'm looking at it from a ninth house perspective, it's like also having to look at the like beliefs, you know, the self-imposed beliefs and honestly the fears that 
have allowed me to go out there. I am a total emotional eater and I have been emotionally overeating for the last four months, five months, because I've been stressed about our home situation. I've been stressed about changes at work. And I think I had to like face that for myself. And, you know, it's like a thing I know in my head to like, oh, well, that's what I do. But I think even on some level, I had to like recognize that like, that's not going to solve the the fearfulness you know like that's not going to satiate it no no amount of tortilla chips (laughs) how dare you (laughs) you don't know no but it's true no and it is true it's not it's only going to create another situation to cause more anxiety so how about you know, finding ways to believe that I love myself, believe that I'm worthy of feeling good. You know, I will walk around for months on end with a terrible pain in my back or my side because I, on some level, just believe that I, that that's life. Like I've allowed myself to just believe that, oh, well, that's just the way my life goes. As opposed to like, well, no, let me do something about that because life doesn't have to be constant pain, you know? So, whew, girl. What? (laughs) I'm just reflecting that back. That life doesn't have to be constant pain? Yeah. For me? Well, because I have literally been doing that. No, I know. But do you relate to that? No. Or you just see that in me? (laughs) No, I'm just, I just think that's a really profound no I'm the opposite like if I have like the slightest discomfort I like immediately go somewhere and have it taken care of right yeah yeah but I'm Jewish that's like what we do (laughs) um Uh, yeah the Catholics we just like you know it's the cross we bear totally I'm like I think my eyes twitching a little weird I'm immediately gonna go to the eye specialist yeah yeah no but I think that that is I think there are a lot of people out there who do just kind of like exist with chronic pain, whether it's physical, emotional, psychological, like we tend to just tell ourselves like, well, this is life, you know? And then we realize like, oh, well, that's what mom used to say. That's what dad used to, you know? Like, totally. Which feels life is hard. Very ninth house again, like the restructuring of beliefs that you've been like building your whole life on. Yeah. But it's also just very Pluto Saturn. You know, if you think about Pluto, an element of Pluto is like managing like the deepest of our psychology mm-hmm. you know that affects our us on a soul level yeah so if you're thinking about what mommy and daddy were saying when we were 2 3 years old and how we then just sort of integrate that into our own subconscious belief system or just physical system and then we're 45, 55, 35, and saying those same things, you know? So I think this is an opportunity right now for a lot of us to be waking up to the habits that we have allowed to exist and some of them without us even knowing it. Um, You know, if you're having this in your 12th house, you know, which is where a lot of the like, deepest darkest secrets go to hide 
you're probably having a real challenge with this or you're really coming awake in the most meaningful of ways. Yeah, but I think we should just make it clear that if you're feeling a heaviness, you're not crazy. Like no. this is really intense astrology for everybody, no matter what house it's in. I mean, even as we record this podcast, we have Sun, Mercury, Pluto, Jupiter, Saturn, uh, South Node in Capricorn. Like that's a lot of Capricorn energy. Yeah, and you're a Capricorn moon, so you can speak to just <laughs> what a what one you know what capricorn is all about yeah well it can feel very restrictive and it can be very like self-punishing and it can be very pessimistic and cynical um and so to have that much capricorn energy in the sky right now if we're not taking the high vibe approach we can just like, you know, be wanting to give up on ourselves completely. Yeah. So, and what is that high vibe approach then? I think the high vibe approach to working with all that Capricorn energy is like taking a big picture approach and like respecting that like it took you a really long time to create those habits. So it's going to take you some time to rewrite those habits and that there's no such thing as a quick fix. Like Capricorn yeah. is not the quick fix sign. It is the slow, steady climb. So if you're just seeing it, like that's huge and just give yourself credit for seeing it and start to create some sort of plan. Um, but don't expect that you're going to integrate that plan, you know, by the end of the month or the end of the year. Like this is our soul's purpose we're talking about. This is our whole lives we're talking about. And the other word that we haven't brought up yet, especially when dealing with Saturn is karma. Mm -hmm. Like Saturn is the planet of karma. And so I think that we're all dealing with a lot of karmic shit right now. And so even if you don't necessarily believe in like a past life karmic perspective, how about just like the seeds that were planted in your childhood that like now you're having to like sow? Um, or I've even, you know, been experiencing a lot of like ancestral patterns showing up for myself that I'm clearing through. Like not just like what did mommy and daddy do, but like what did grandma and grandpa do? Like what did great grandma and grandpa do? What did great, great grandma mm -hmm. and grandpa do? And like, oh, that's also my relationship with money. Like, oh, that's my relationship with self-worth. Like, you know, there are epigenetics, right? Like there are things that we learn deep in the marrow of our bones that we don't even realize have been a program that's been put into us that we need to restructure or rewrite if it's not serving us to our highest best good. So I also think like Saturn-Pluto conjunction looks like you know, rewiring and rewriting some of those like old ancestral karmic patterns and becoming yeah. aware of it. Um, and awareness is everything. Like you have to see it to free it. So don't try to fix it all, babies. Like don't try to make it all better in a minute. Just notice it. Just take notes, write it down, pay attention to what's no longer serving you. You've got a lot of time to figure out how you're going to change things, but don't put your head in the sand, you know? Um, because you can't escape this shit. It's Saturn, you know, like you can't escape Saturn. You can either work with him and eventually like things get really groovy or you avoid it and things just get worse and worse. Yeah. Yeah. So to what you said, like this doesn't have to be a, an answer time. This is like a pop the question time. Yeah. Cause you guys, this 
conjunction goes on for like two and a half years. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, not like directly. But it like comes in and out. Well, yeah. Well, not, yeah, not that long, but it, it, yeah, it basically like it started the lead up last February. So between February and July of last year was when it began. So we were all starting to feel the lead up to it. Um, so that might have been when you started to sort of recognize like, oh, maybe I don't want to live here anymore. I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. I don't want to work here anymore. You know, all of those like questions started to kind of like shift you, you know. Um, and then it went retrograde at the end of April and kind of backed off some. And you were like, no, I think I'm fine. This relationship's working great. <laughs> right. Or things started to shift, but, you know, kind of take took their time. Then it started to come back again in a more meaningful way back in November. So for the last two-ish months, that's when it's been really feeling like, oh God, because now it's just been a straight shot yeah. forward. So now you're like, oh no, fuck, this relationship is over. Yeah, like this stuff has got to give. So, you know, we actually hit the 22 mark on January 6th, but the two of them will be at the exact degree and minute uh, on January 12th. So this, you know, Sunday, yeah, we're recording this in the middle of the week. So yeah, so you'll get, it'll be happening. Yeah. On this Sunday, right after we've had the full moon as well. Yeah. The eclipse in cancer. Mm -hmm. So, you know, which is a lot of releasing energy, um, and emotional releasing energy. Yeah. So a good time to be releasing any emotions around some of these things. Cause look with Saturn things have you, you let go of things as well. You know, it's a beginnings and endings chapter, this one. So really important to be noticing like, or where are you making, you know, goodbyes to things, you know, where do you need to say goodbye? Uh, and, Look, for some of us, it is a relationship. For others, it's things in a closet, you know, or in a cupboard. But wherever it is for you, it's important to honor this energy. So, you know, wherever you're feeling compelled to release, get rid of, let go of, you know, whether it exists on a physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual level, really take some time to honor that through this process. Um, because again, it that's the Saturn, like the physical element, the like let's do something about it. But it's honoring Pluto, which is, you know, us on a deep psychological and soul core level. You know, like we're all being called at some point right now to do to move our soul's purpose forward yeah. in some way. And it may not feel that massive. You know, like, oh, okay, I'm just clearing out my kitchen. Oh, I think it does. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, yeah, I think it does. Like, it's, I haven't, I personally haven't come across anyone who hasn't been experiencing it on some level. There's a gravitas to it. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people I do think who aren't facing it, who aren't confronting it entirely. Good luck. <laughs> Let me know how that goes for you, girl. But yeah, man, like... If you are just like going through life, like everything's fine and it's fine and life's just hard, then you're probably just doubling down, which is only going to make things potentially harder for you when you have your next 
personal Saturn transit or, you know, because this is also like a communication with our natal placements of these planets. Yeah. Well, and I think just to like really break it down, like Saturn is responsibility and Pluto mm -hmm. is transformation. So yeah. like you have a responsibility to your transformation. Oh, well said. So are you responsibly transforming your life and your soul? Or are you, you know, like digging in your heels and going like, fuck no, I'm going to stay the same. It's like, <laughs> okay, well, let me know how that goes for you. <laughs> All right, shady boots. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. But look, if you are just, if you know, if you're hearing this and you're going, oh fuck, wait now, and it and it's happening on the twelfth, like, <clears throat> you know, use allow this to be your wake up call. They're basically BFFs until March twenty second. Then Saturn moves into Aquarius, <laughs> where it'll be through the end of July. But then they're going to have a reunion, an encore, if you will. <laughs> yes, they're going to get back together. Yeah, they're going to do the show one more time. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they're, yeah, they're basically going to have an encore between July and December of this year. So we have between now and March and then an ease. Uh, like, how are, we, how are we doing this? And then we, you know, come back to it in July and have the rest of the year to clean up any of the mess that we might've made or, you know, redecorate or, you know, do, you know, revisit some of these, some of these questions, but hopefully in ways where we can feel a little more confident, a little more, uh, you know, in charge of our progress and in charge of our transformation as opposed to where you know right now where some of us might just feel like at the whims of our transformation you know but but i think what you said about responsibility like that's the key so even if you do feel like at the whims of it where can you take responsibility from that if you're being kicked out of your home and you lost your job like yes Fuck those people, but also like now how do you take responsibility for, well, I probably should have left that job six months ago, you know, and I probably should have moved right before then or what have you. Again, this isn't all to like create like a blame around us too. Like if we're in a bad place, it's our fault per se. Like, because like you said too, like Brandon, that. We're also like operating sometimes from operating systems that have existed for generations. Yeah, for hundreds of years. Yeah, and that were implanted in us when we were a fucking baby yeah. or a tiny child and like didn't know any better. So just blame your parents. <laughs> no, so just be grateful that you start to become aware of it. Exactly. And for those of you that like have children or thinking about having children, like what an incredible gift it can be for you mm -hmm. to break the cycle in your lifetime so that your children don't have to deal with that sort of shit. Yeah. I think it's a really strong opportunity for everyone right now. Yeah. So the best thing we can all do is to like be kind to ourselves and to one another and to cultivate a loving presence. And that's also how we take responsibility for our transformation. Because from a shamanic perspective, there's only two ways that things transform. They transform through death or they transform through love. Mm -hmm. That's it. And we know this, right? Like sometimes the rose bush isn't going to make it. We have to kill it. 
And sometimes the rose bush will make it if we really tend it and we, you know, trim it down and we give it some, you know, good fertilizer and what have you. So I would say try to tend to your transformation with love. Yeah. And respect that everyone you are dealing with from your boss to the person that you drop off your dry cleaning with to your mom, everyone is having a Saturn-Pluto conjunction somewhere in their chart. So just try to be loving. It's true. Like we can only really like try to love ourselves and love our surroundings through it all. And look, sometimes love looks like, you know, like a, a march for peace. And screaming and shouting. Yeah, there's tough love too. Uh, so anyhow, that's kind of the, you know, that's the headline piece. And it's because it's so active as we speak. Uh, there are some other things we'll just touch on. Um, you know, Jupiter is also going to join the party um, in a more meaningful way this year. You know, it just entered Capricorn, but it's going to catch up to Pluto. And it's actually going to, because of a retrograde, uh, get in touch with Pluto three times this year. So once on April 4th, then once on June 30th, and then again, it's final time on November 12th. So I would say really from the end of March all the way up to through, you know, Thanksgiving, like we're going to start to feel like, you know, the amplification <laughs> of this transformation that we're doing. So all that to say, if we're planting some really strong, powerful seeds, Jupiter's going to come along and just water the fuck out of them. You know, so it's important to be paying attention to like the transformation that you're putting into place. You know, I was just thinking about like how important it is to to continue teaching people how to treat you. Mm. You know, that's something for me that I really want to work on this year. Probably some of that first house business, you know, that ascendant business. It's like, this is how you need to see me, how you need to respect me. Mm -hmm. So... You know, for me, like that's those are the seeds that I'm planting right now with the hopes that Jupiter will come along through the rest of this year and be like, all right, now here are some here's an, an opportunity, you know, here's a big opportunity that will allow people to see you in that way. And then we're also going to have Jupiter conjunct Saturn, but that's not going to happen until the very end of the year. And it actually happens at zero degrees Aquarius. Um, so that's not till December 21st. So at the end of this year, we can do a deep dive into that. Yeah. Yeah, because that's a big one, too. That's like a whole new 20-year cycle situation that, yeah, we don't have to delve into too much now. But but the importance, I think, is to just remember that, yeah, Jupiter, everything it touches wants to grow. So if Jupiter's coming along and touching that Capricorn area of our life, it wants that area to grow mature in some way. And it, you know, it tends to want to bring optimism and positivity and abundance with it. So if you got Jupiter going through that second house, your money house, congratulations. Um, the rest of us uh, just, yeah, where is it happening? Again, for me, it's ninth house. So I'm going to get so much smarter this year. I can't wait. Finally. <laughs> I'm going to get that bachelor, that uh, master's degree. Yes, queen. Uh, and then, yeah, and for you, 10th house. Good for you, bitch. 
get out there into the world. Let them see you. We also have three Mercury retrogrades this year. We always do. Yes. Uh, but this year, uh, February 16th through March 9th, it's going to be an, a Pisces Aquarius retrograde. Uh, so 12 degrees Pisces to 28 degrees Aquarius. So again, looking at where that is in your chart, uh, then we'll have a f- uh, 14 to five degree cancer in June 18th, uh, June 18th through July 12th. And then October 13th through November 3rd, we'll have a retrograde from 11 degree Scorpio to 25 degree Libra. Um, so, you know, again, Mercury retrograde, it's just a time to kind of slow shit down. So interesting. So water signs essentially with like Mm. some air cusps, but really it's Mercury retrograde in the water signs this year. Yeah. So how we emotionally, how we mix emotions and communication, the mind and the heart. Totally. It's a retrograde heavy year, right? Because don't we also have a Mars and a Venus retrograde yeah. in 2020? Yeah, this summer we have a Venus in Gemini retrograde, which again, talk about mind and the heart. So you have that. And then, yeah, September 9th through November 13th, we have a Mars retrograde in Aries. So that's when all of your plans get halted. <laughs> yeah. When is that? That's, what is it? September 9th through November 13th. Okay. So get it all done by September 9th, everybody. Yeah. Get some shit going by then for sure. Um, I mean, I, I will speak from experience. Don't try to like start shit at that time no i feel I like still a mars, cleaning up messes from that ooh, time. child well especially like because mars rules aries in a lot of ways to be retrograde in that sign feels like particularly quick sandy well yeah because uh, yeah he's in his home energy so and he he's wants like to i want to go i want to go and it's like ah why do i keep going backwards yeah there'll be a lot of fighting a lot of people like what are you telling me to stop why what so i think yeah that's going to be a time where we're all going to be, be a good time to like Go on vacation or like go on a, or like <laughs> For three months or like go on a retreat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe we'll schedule our retreat at that yeah, time. Spiritual gaze, Mars retrograde retreat. Yes. The Mars retrograde extravaganza. Yes. Slow <laughs> down with the spiritual gaze. Well, that is, I mean, we are talking about early fall. Yeah. So that would be perfect time. So keep an eye out for that, y'all. Yeah thinking around like the fall equinox mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. in Joshua tree. Yes. Um, and you know, it'll be like a long weekend. So maybe like three nights, four days mm-hmm. with uh, yours truly. Yeah. You, and yours truly here. And Noche. And Noche. You know Noche <laughs> will be there. Uh, yeah. More details to come. More t- details to come on all the fun things we have coming up this year. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, I think that's our... Uh, gaze into the astrology of this year oh it's our gaze into Mm -hmm. the astrology of the year hey queen but yeah if you have any other questions around that or you know want to engage in any conversation around that you can always uh you know just dm us or hit us up and uh happy to chat more about it but now it is time for the very first tarot card of the year of the decade Yes, we are going to get our first tarot message for 2020. So take a moment and drop in. And you can connect to the card just by hearing them being shuffled. 
And if you have a particular question, there's a realm of your life where you need some guidance or clarity, you can send that out to the cards. Or you can just be open, but know that this message will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this podcast. The King of Wands. Hey. So this is a pretty powerful pull for the first card of the year, perhaps even the first card of the decade. The King of Wands is double fire, fire of fire. And it's interesting because I was thinking of the King of Wands earlier when we were talking about our phones, because our phones are these really powerful tools, but the intention is whether it is something that like makes our life better or worse. And the King of Wands is really about a responsibility with your own fire, because kings in the tarot are responsible for not just themselves they're responsible for the entire kingdom and even though we don't have a a sense that kings are the greatest servants that really is what they are you know like the history of the monarchy hasn't shown that to be true but the truth is is like the king is the greatest servant because the king has the most people that they are responsible to so the king of wands asks us to use our fire in service of the kingdom. And so I think it's a really beautiful lens through which we can be looking at everything that we've been talking about. Because if we're talking about soul's purpose and transformation, it's so that you have more of your fire available to you. And that fire is needed for the collective good. The King of Wands is, in a lot of ways, the wizard or the magician of the deck in the minor arcana and so when we get the king of wands we're being asked to remember that we are this dynamic magical and sometimes like fiery and tempestuous being but we want to make sure that like we're responsible for our fire so it's interesting because i feel like there's actually like a lot of saturn energy around this um like in the reverse position it would be like the fire's out of control but this came in direct which means that like you're ready to take responsibility for your fire and in terms of like restructuring like what is keeping your fire from like burning at utmost capacity like are there some damp logs you know what i mean like is there some is there some sand or some gravel? Like you want your fire to be flaming, white hot, electric blue. So take this opportunity to channel your own inner magic, be the king of wands and use your fire for your kingdom. Fire is creative, sexual and spiritual. It's the things in your life that spark. So attune to those things. I would also just say like the King of Wands as the Fire Shrine card just wants us to like become aware of our relationship with the element of fire. And fire is pretty much how everything in this modern world gets done. Like you don't think about it, but like what charges your phone? Oh, electricity. Oh, well, that's fire. Like what like turns on your like heat in your house? Like what starts your car? Like fire. It's all fire. Um, from a shamanic perspective, like fire is the oldest of the elements. It was great grandfather fire and great grandmother ice. And they came together and created the universe. So the more you can be in right relationship with fire as a giant entity, the more you can come into right relationship with your own personal fire. That's all I got. Awesome. Well, I'd like to even create this opportunity for everyone listening to simply repeat after me. 
I am ready to use my fire. I am ready to use my fire. All right, y'all, here we go. Let's get lit. Thank you all so much for listening. (laughs) We're so uh, excited to be starting a new year with you all and uh, definitely going to get some cool spirit talks out there for you some fun guests we'll have some interesting subjects and like i said we'll uh be giving out some details on some cool shit that we're going to be doing this year so all of it to come we are spiritual gaze on instagram you can also find us on twitter or facebook and if you'd like to uh connect with angel or i one-on-one for uh, an astrology reading to see where all of this stuff is happening in your chart. Um, you can email the spiritual gaze at gmail.com or also year ahead tarot spreads are a great tool to help you understand the energy that's going on. Angel and I, we did ours on January 1st. I'm so excited for my year ahead. Yeah, your spread was gorgeous. I'm excited about mine too, actually. It's making a lot more sense as I meditate on it more and more. Yeah, I highly recommend them, y'all, though. Uh, if you haven't done one with Brandon before, it's a really great just treat for yourself for the year ahead a big thank you to justin simeon for their interstitial musics and until next time this has been your transit through the The spiritual spiritual game